the Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show. Good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know, the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, Grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to RepairMyCreditNow.com for a free credit report evaluation. RepairMyCreditNow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today? We're going to be speaking with Renee Boer, and Renee has over 30 years of experience in the restaurant industry, and that's taught him the power of aligning people who have a common value and they have a capacity to excel in a compelling reason to work hard at work worth doing. As a certified implementer of EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, he facilitates, teaches, and coaches a complete business management system that aligns an, an organization's leaders with a common goal. And Renee also is the co-author of a new best-selling book, How to Be a Great Boss. Renee, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm well, Doug, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, I uh, I know I mentioned you were the co-author of this new book, and on episode 36 of Ambitious Radio, we had Gino Wickman on, which he's the other co-author and uh, the author of Traction. And I know you guys have worked a lot together on a lot of different things, and we'll jump into that here uh, a little later in the show. But with, with those things being said, what did I leave out in the intro? Tell us a little bit about your, your personal life, just kind of a little bit where you're from and growing up and, and how you got where you are today. Sure. So I'm, uh, I was actually born in the Netherlands, and uh, I emigrated here with my parents and my younger brother when I was five years old, and my folks came here uh, to this country for the opportunity, uh, not the guarantee, but the opportunity to really uh, build a better life, a uh, better life for themselves. And I uh, grew up in Wisconsin, uh, so yes, I'm a lifelong Packers fan, and I know you're down in Dallas, so we'll try not to... Uh, have this digress into a Packer versus Cowboys thing, but I uh, grew up in Wisconsin. I uh, worked my way through college at a place called Pizza Hut. You might have heard of it. Yes, sir. Uh, so it was a perfect college guy job. I got paid a uh, buck sixty-five an hour. And uh, when I was hired, the manager said, "Now, before you say no to this offer, I got to explain the fringe benefits. So it's all the Schlitzdark beer you can drink and all the pizza you can eat." in an eight-hour shift. So uh, as a college guy, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. So uh, that started my, my business career. I uh, you know, worked my way through the ranks of Pizza Hut as a franchisee and a corporate officer and uh, had a great run for about 30 years. And then about 10 years ago, I got introduced to, uh, to Gino Wickman, and my life took a little different direction. Well, I'll tell you what, I am definitely familiar with Pizza Hut, and I'm definitely familiar with the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys. And, and you know, you guys have been getting it all, getting over on us a little bit here the last few years. But uh, but recently, you know, the Cowboys seem to be stringing together a, a little bit of a, of a of a winning streak. But, uh, you know, that's that's good stuff. And, and, you know, there's always, you know, a lot of different things that you learn and kind of as you're growing up. Now, you mentioned – you were an immigrant from the Netherlands, and you came here for the opportunity. And I, I love what you mentioned there about, you know, it was for the opportunity. And now, do you remember much about life in the Netherlands? Is, is that something, do you, guys, do you go back there, or is it more of you guys immigrated here, and then the rest is history? Well, no, uh, I've been back several times. It's, it's interesting, when we were kids growing up, my parents would speak Dutch in the home, and then we would speak English back to them. And uh, so, you know, here I am still able to understand the language fairly well, but, but I don't speak it very well. Uh, but, you know, just 
the thing about the opportunity was I remember my dad telling me one time, he said, you know, Renee, the great thing about this country is you can tell someone what you do for a living and they actually believe you. And that's something that, that just wasn't possible in, uh, in, in Europe, right? I mean, it's so much bound on tradition and what your parents did and what your parents before them, uh, in this country, you know, he was just amazed that you really could be anything that you wanted to be if you were willing to work hard. So that was the uh, the work ethic that you know that I grew up with. So, so from the European background, I never really even thought about that too much. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this a little bit on the show. I'm just a good old East Texas boy, and and so you know, I grew up out in East Texas and worked hard, and you know, never never had the opportunity to go to college, but I've. I've had a little success over the years with, with a little hard work and a, and a little stick to itness, uh, but I never really thought about about not being able to do something because it wasn't part of what my parents were doing or, or whatever the case were. Um, so I guess if you're from a lot of these other countries, it's it's you know, hey, if your parents were bakers, then it was likely you're going to be a baker, huh? Uh, I think back then, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So so let's talk about that kind of progression. I mean, you know. As you went went through those those uh, you know being an immigrant, your parents were you're speaking Dutch. You said, um, and and was it a situation where there were obstacles that you and your family ran into over the years when you were younger? Oh sure, you can just imagine. You know, when I was uh, five years old coming to this country, I didn't speak the language, and so I remember learning uh, English by watching daytime television with my mother, and uh, she would watch soap operas. And that's how I, how I learned the language. And I remember when I started first grade, uh, that was a real challenge, just trying to figure out, you know, what, uh, you know, what was really going on. <clears throat> and then another challenge, you know, with a name like Renee, uh, you kind of tend to stand out, you know, when everybody else's name is Jim and uh, Bob and, uh, and Bill, and your name is Renee, it's kind of hard to fly under the radar. So I got teased a lot as a kid. And, uh, you know, that kind of toughened me up a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, the, the benefit of having a name like that is people don't typically forget it when they meet you in a social setting. So, uh, you know, as much as I didn't like my name as a, as a, as a, as a little kid, it, it turned out to be, uh, you know, a pretty good handle after all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it kind of reminds me of that song uh, by Johnny Cash, A Boy Named Sue. You know, it's... it's. Oh, uh, <laughs> with that. <laughs> well, you know, and, and in this day and age, and, and by no means am I recommending or endorsing or approving of bullying or anything like that, because that, that, there can be some real situations that can be re- very detrimental. But, you know, you, you talk about uh, the situation of growing up and getting teased and bullied a little bit, but it sounds like in your circumstance, I mean, hey, it kind of made your, your skin a little thicker. Uh, it made it where you could, you know, you kind of persevered a little bit more through something. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure if you had it to do all over again, you probably wouldn't want to be named Bob or, or Jim. You know, can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that helped you kind of thicken your skin and, and uh, succeed uh, through it all anyway? Yeah, I, you know, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have changed the thing. So, uh, you know, blessing in disguise. But I think, you know, a big part of, you know, having that experience is uh, it, it kind of makes you think about uh, what the other person is going through. And you try to, I think, tend to, you just try to understand a little bit better, uh, you know, what the other person is doing. And when there's a little kid that's kind of, that's a lot going on there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just found that it, it helped me kind of figure out ways to fit in that other kids probably never had to really think about that before. So what do you do to, to make it work for yourself? And, uh, you know, so it was kind of a valuable uh, learning experience at a young age. So, so speaking of trying to find ways to fit in and some of those things, when it comes to, you know, over, over the years or, or currently, you know, trying to find ways to grow and to improve, uh, are there any specific things that you do, any processes that you follow, whether it's reading books or whatever, that, that uh, you specifically do to, to grow and uh, get better at things? Yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, that's one of the, the exciting things about life, isn't it? It's uh, you get up every day uh, thinking that, you know, you pretty well learned it all, or do you get up every day excited about learning something new? And, and I've always been on the side of, you know, how can I learn and grow and, and become better? And so it makes for a much, much more interesting journey, you know, when you're always thinking ahead to the next thing. And, uh, and you got to stay sharp. So, you know, I tend to, to do a lot of reading, uh, and I like to uh, just investigate. You know, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I think the old saying is, there are no uninteresting things, just only, you know, disinterested people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, that's that's been, yeah. Just one of those things, I guess. Sure, sure. So, with with all the reading and all the different ideas that get thrown at you, are there are there any things that maybe over the past five, ten years or so that you kind of felt one way about, but you know, with a little additional information that maybe you've kind of changed your your uh, you pivoted to a to a different direction, maybe 180 degrees. You felt this way, and then hey, you've gotten a little more information on it, and now it's like, whoa, you know what? I, I've really kind of changed my thought process on that. Sure. I, you know, I think when you get started in the wonderful world of business, you tend to start out thinking about a job and what you're good at. And the longer you do it, you get to that point where you start thinking of yourself in terms of the job and all those things that you're good at. And you never really think about, you know, what are the things that you truly love to do and you're great at? And, uh, you know, there's a, a just a marvelous coach out there that in fact works with uh, with Gino called Dan Sullivan. And, you know, he calls this concept unique ability. Uh, we have a tool that we call delegate and elevate. And essentially what that does is it just really challenges you to think about all the things you do in the wonderful world of business every day. And there's a long list of activities and really peeling back the onion and looking at those things and, and asking yourself, what are the things that I really, really love to do and that I'm great at doing and being able to just let go of everything else? And that is a lifelong journey. And unfortunately, there's just so many people that never take the time uh, to really give that some serious thought. And so you spend your whole life working at stuff that, yeah, you might be good at, but it doesn't really give you any passion. <laughs> it doesn't really energize you. And the next thing you realize, you know, your life is pretty much over. And it's just such a tragedy that, that, that people don't take the opportunity to, to really sort that out. And so for me, you know, it was kind of like that in the restaurant business. I spent 30 years in that industry. And sure, I was good at a lot of things. You couldn't help but be good after spending all that time doing those things. But, you know, you just sit and think about, does it really get me jazzed and energized or am I just kind of going through the motions? And so, uh, you know, I took that exercise to heart and it changed my life. And, you know, my passion has always been, uh, you know, helping leadership teams and people become better leaders and managers. And, uh, you know, I was just fortunate to meet Gino 10 years ago and, and have the opportunity to shift years a bit and focus on, on my unique ability. And, uh, and that's been a journey over the last 10 years is really, you know, figuring out systematically what can I let go of. And, uh, you know, so that's been, it's like get like a restart, right? I mean, it just gives you, uh, you know, so much more to look forward to. Absolutely. No, that is great, great stuff for our listeners. And that delegate and elevate, you know, I've got so many things that bounce around in my head and I don't remember where I get them all from, but I use delegate and elevate all the time. I use it in trainings. I use it when I'm speaking to people. And now that I think about it, I'm sure that I got it from Gino and, and the traction, you know, the book. But uh, with, with that being said, um, listeners, if there's anything that maybe you're driving down the road you've missed, you can always go to ambitiousradio.com and look at the show notes. Uh, today we are talking to Renee Bohr and he is absolutely uh, giving us nuggets that we can share with others. Obviously, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Tune in after a brief word from our sponsors when we'll be talking more to Renee about his career pursuits and his experiences of becoming an ambitious entrepreneur right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Here's 
here's another RepairMyCreditNow.com story. Home ownership. It's the American dream. It's a goal you've always hoped to achieve. You've spent countless weekends looking for the perfect house on the ideal block. The rates are low and you've saved enough for the down payment. Unfortunately, now the mortgage company says there's a little hitch. Okay, let's be honest. It's a gigantic, gargantuan hitch. It's your credit. And it looks like your estimated house payment will be <laughs> a lot more. www.repairmycreditnow.com Hello, this is Doug Parker with repairmycreditnow.com. Do you have less than perfect credit, a repo, maybe some late payments, a collection account? Are they being reported accurately? Studies show that over 70% of Americans have inaccuracies on their credit reports. Where do you fit in? Go to repairmycreditnow.com for your free credit report evaluation. And remember, your credit is your future. If you want to get started now, log on now. Repairmycreditnow.com. Repairmycreditnow.com. www.repairmycreditnow.com. As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors, all3reports.com. That's all, the number three reports with an S.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle. But if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to all3reports.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing. They offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug? Back in here on the show, it's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number, you have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system. Let's get back to the show with Doug Parker. All right, guys, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got Renee Bohr. And let's talk a little bit about your professional adventures, some of the things you've got going on. I know that you've got the EOS system, and for those that are not familiar with that, that's the entrepreneur's uh, entrepreneurial operating system, and you are an implementer for uh, the organization. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that really means? Yeah, so our target market are uh, business owners of uh, privately owned businesses and their leadership teams. And uh, our clients are, are companies that uh, share, share some things in common. One of them is that they really want to grow. And what's happened to them, and this happens to everyone, is they've gotten a bit stuck. And when you think about the wonderful world of business, sometimes we're victims of our own success. Right, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing like crazy. And as we we go through that, uh, things really do get more complicated. You know, communication gets more complicated. The processes get kind of gummed up, and eventually you get to that point where you get stuck. And uh, those are the kind of clients that uh, you know end up really embracing uh, EOS because they understand that the value of lining up behind one uh, system and one way of doing things, getting everybody aligned around that, and growing again. So this is all about growth, and not just growth for growth's sake, but growth in terms of building a really outstanding organization and, uh, and an enduring company. And so we have clients that are just getting started. We've got clients that have been around a while, and, and I have some clients. I've got one that you know celebrated their 100th anniversary. So it's it's the whole gamut of just getting started to uh, companies that are multi generational. Gotcha, gotcha. Now let's talk about. I mean, how do you monetize that? How does that how does that part of the process work when you're being that implementer? Are you um, is it like a one time consultation deal, or is it something where it's ongoing, long term? What does it really look like? Yeah, so it's all about uh, teaching some very, very simple tools because, let's face it, the wonderful world of business isn't easy. It's hard. So it's learning some simple tools and really implementing those tools uh, in your business. And this is something that becomes uh, a way of life for these companies. So I always say, you know, I'm here as long as you need me to really master these tools and master the system to a point where it becomes part of your your company's DNA, right? So it's just it's a system that helps you do what you do better. 
And uh, in a nutshell, you know, it's about aligning that owner and his or her leadership team around a common vision. It's about helping them really get better at execution so they execute on that vision. You know, what a concept that is. Uh, and it's about helping them become healthier and more cohesive as a team because oftentimes they're not. And, and when you think about it, there's a big difference between a leadership team and a team of leaders. So we call those three things, you know, vision, traction, healthy. And, uh, and that's what this journey is all about. Uh, so, for some clients, you know, they get there in two years, and some takes three years. Doesn't really matter. But people are just committed to a journey to become the best. I love that part where you said there's a difference between a leadership team and a team of leaders. It's all the same words jumbled up in there, but there is a significant difference between uh, those those two and. It just an aha moment just kind of occurred, you know, uh, with me just thinking about that because you can have a group of people that are all leaders. Uh, they just might be leading everybody different directions as opposed to having a leadership team where everybody's, you know, uh, rowing, you know, rowing the same direction. So that's that's uh, that's a really really great uh, great nugget there. Now, um, you know, we 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 talked a little bit about. Uh, you know your book, and again, we're going to get into that in the next segment in pretty pretty good uh, depth. Um, how to be a great boss. But are there any other books in addition to yours that that you uh, typically will recommend or or give to folks? Oh sure. So you know some of my you know favorite books, and, and they're part of our process as well. Are books by Patrick Lancioni, who I'm sure many people are familiar with. But uh, you know one of his books that that had a real impact was uh, the five dysfunctions of the team. So here we were talking about the difference between a leadership team and a team of leaders. And so much of that starts with, uh, with some of the principles taught by, uh, you know, by Patrick Lancioni. And, you know, probably the most important one there is really understanding and becoming both healthy and smart as a leadership team. So the big fans of, of Patrick Lancioni and, uh, and then I, I, I love the, uh, the stuff that Mel, Malcolm Gladwell writes, and uh, you know, we read a little bit of Seth Godin. He's very entertaining. Uh, you know, and then probably the book, when you think about it, uh, it's been around a long, long time. Is the books by Ken Blanchard, right? The One Minute Manager books. And I remember when those first came out. Most books at the time were at least 400 pages, uh, and. Here, Ken Blanchard came out with a book that was, what, maybe 100 pages. And there's a lot to be said uh, for, you know, for being concise and keeping it simple. And, uh, and so those are the kinds of books that I enjoy reading. It's, you know, it's a point made. It's made in a simple way. Uh, and it has the greatest impact. So less is really more when it comes down to, to books, which... Interestingly enough, when, when Gino and I, and I know we're going to talk about the book in a little bit here, but when Gino and I started this project, uh, one of the very first questions was, well, how many pages do we want this book to be? And it's like, uh, boy, wouldn't it be great if it could be less than 200? And it turned out to be about 150 pages. Well, when you're dealing with entrepreneurs, which is, I know, kind of your key demographic there, you got to do something that, that can uh, keep their attention um, and it be, you know, quick enough that they can get in and out of it. A 400-page book, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, most of them are kind of a little bit ADD and a little bit all over the place. And, and you know, you got to keep their attention and it's got to be concise because a bunch of fluff in there, it's like, come on, get to the point, let's go. So I, I can't wait to hear uh, you know, a little bit more about that. Now, uh, when it comes to advice, um, what's one of the best pieces of advice that you've received? So, uh, yeah, I think over the years, probably, you know, the, the thing that, that, uh, that sticks out the most is uh, you have to be careful about, you know, who you pretend to be because you are who you pretend to be, if that makes sense. So, so for me, it's, uh, you just got to be you. You know, you just have to be yourself. And uh, I think so oftentimes, you know, we, we worry so much about trying to be like other people and try to live other people's dreams. And when you think about it, it's, it's important to be you and to pursue 
you know, your own dreams, whatever those might be. And again, it's, it gets us back to what I said earlier about my dad, you know. Uh, in this country, you can be whatever you want to be. So choose carefully. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I uh, I had a, you know, one of the things I love about doing this show, and I hope that our listeners, you know, get the same type of things out of it that I do, is the aha moments that I have when I'm, when I'm talking to folks. Because I personally look at it as a continuing education for myself. That's one of the considerations I went into when, when deciding to do it was, you know, the prep time, the recording time, you know, all the different things that we've got to do. But it was to get information, you know, from from leaders and and folks that I can, you know, uh, glean nuggets and learn from. But then also that that others can as well. And you know, one thing that kind of uh, you know is consistent with what you've said about being yourself. I had a, a an interview with a lady named Jada Edwards, and she's really a uh, an expert in personality training and and some of those things. And you know, she was talking about that if you are acting outside of your real personality style, and um, in my situation, I tend to be a little bit more of a socializer naturally. But for the past, you know, two decades, I've, you know, I've got two kids, I'm working, I'm doing this, CEO of this company, I've got this, that, and the other, and and I've just become a very intense director personality, and it's just kind of been a natural progression. But my normal personality, if I'm on vacation hanging out, is really just socializing, hanging out, having a good time. And she said the problem with that is, is that when you are not naturally, in this scenario, a director personality, people see you barking orders and you're acting a certain way. And that's okay if that's really how you are because they know, hey, that's just how Doug is, right? The problem is, is that whenever you're out socializing or just doing normal stuff and it's not at work, people see you interacting a different way with people. And then they're like, no, that's not just how Doug is. That's just how he is with me or whatever the case is. And you wind up being someone, as you said, that you're really not. You're pretending to be somebody or you're acting as if or whatever. And then what happens is it, it, it's, it's a disconnect between, you know, the reality of things. So you got to be careful about that because the intention isn't to be rude to anybody or, or not who you are or inauthentic, but it can really create a, an interesting dynamic of, of dealing with those scenarios. And, and that was another one of those aha moments that, that I had. So, um, it really, really, like I said, great stuff for me, for sure. Hopefully the listeners get as much out of it as I do, but, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about some of your fears as you kind of left the restaurant world and started doing the, the implementing was there, uh, cause you kind of went from being seemingly kind of a corporate type environment to more entrepreneurial or, or am I missing something there? No, you're not. I, uh, <laughs> so, Early on, I, I worked uh, for a uh, for a franchisee in uh, in Minneapolis, and that was a very entrepreneurial experience. Uh, but when we uh, sold the franchise, uh, I ended up going to work for for a corporation, and I spent probably a good fifteen years in that corporate environment. And then through EOS, decided to get back into you know the entrepreneurial world, and uh, boy. That that was a challenge. I mean, here in, in Chicago, uh, getting started with with EOS, I had uh, no connectors, no contacts. I'm not from Chicago. Didn't really know anybody, and here I was trying to start a business, uh, teaching uh, a concept and a holistic business management system that, quite frankly, most people just didn't get. <laughs> so <laughs> having to, you know, having to figure out how to make that work uh, was a, a real ordeal. But again, you what's know, interesting is when you realize that this is something that you're really passionate about and you know that it's something you love to do and you know you could be great at it, you know, it's just about persevering. And, uh, and so... You know, as difficult as it was, you know, I got to that point where, uh, you know, I, I, well, this is an interesting story too, Doug. When I got started, I thought, well, here I am in Chicago. This is a restaurant town. I've got 30 years in the restaurant industry. I'll just get a bunch of restaurant clients. And uh, I think I spent about nine months uh, meeting with different companies and organizations, and I never got a single restaurant client. And my first client was a construction company. And 
I remember that business owner asking me, so what do you know about construction? <laughs> and I said, uh, nothing. As a matter of fact, there's very little that I know about construction. Uh, the second uh, client that I, you know, that I started working with, I had a packaging business. And same question. So what do you know about the pack- packaging industry? And I said, that, you know, nothing, really. I don't know anything. Uh, but it didn't matter because regardless of the business or the industry, all businesses have things that are in common, correct? Everyone uh, is producing a product or providing a service, uh, adding value, and uh, providing opportunities for people. And that was the common theme, and that's why EOS was such a great fit. And so it, it was difficult, but it was a great transition. And so here I am, you know, 10 years later, and, uh, you know, I just feel so fortunate to be working with uh, just a great group of people that I've learned so much from. As much as I've taught, I've certainly learned more than I think. I think I've gotten more than I've given. You know, it's it's uh, it's that's how I feel about this show myself, and and it's great. You know, when you can help other people do things and and learn as you go, it's it's just you know just really is great information for our ambitious listeners. And guys, if you like what you're hearing, you can um, text for updates on who's going to be on the show and those types of things by texting the word ambitious. A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S to 69922. That's ambitious to 69922. Standard messaging rates apply. See the website for more details. And next, we're going to be talking more to Renee about the ambitious things that he's doing right now, right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers, and if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. If you want hope for religious freedom, go to firstliberty.org and get your free In God We Trust window clean. That's firstliberty.org. All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we have Renee Vora on the on the show with us. And I'll tell you what, I'm getting all these golden nuggets. I'm just loving what I'm hearing. And this was the segment that I was looking most forward to. So guys, if you're not driving down the road, get out your pen, get out your paper, get ready to take some notes because he is the co-author of a book called How to Be a Great Boss. And most of the people that are listening to this show are in some way, shape, form, or fashion a boss. They might be uh, a leader within the organization. They might be the entrepreneur. However, we all have interaction with uh, folks that are kind of maybe in a subordinate position to us, and it's so important to know how to deal with those people. So, so let's jump in real quick. Let's talk about this new book you've got out, and uh, tell us what is it all about, and how do we become great bosses? Well, you know, I think I'd, I'd like to just kind of start with a George Carlin quote. So, probably one of one of my favorite comedians, and unfortunately, he left the planet way too soon. But George. Uh, George Carlin once quipped that most people work just hard enough not to get fired and they get paid just enough money not to quit. And, you know, people hear that and they laugh a little bit, but the fact of the matter is it's, you know, it's oftentimes unfortunately so true. And we know from the Gallup polls and the Harris polls that uh, in, in the world and really in this country, there are just way too many people that are not engaged at work. They just don't see work as really having anything to do with their lives other than something they have to do versus something they truly want to do. And this is a challenge for bosses. So when uh, Gino and I started working on this book, we were thinking about well, what's the title going to be. And uh, and I said, you know, I kind of like the, like the word boss. 
And when we started talking about that word and using that word in the title, people thought, ooh, geez, you know, it has so many negative connotations. You know, why don't we call it some call it something other than a boss, like a coach or you know, or a leader or a manager or something like that. And certainly those are all uh, titles that are a pretty good reflection of what what bosses do, but it's just not all encompassing. So, uh, you know, I have a Dutch background, and it's interesting that the word boss comes from a Dutch word, boss, B-A-A-S, and that was originally uh, a title of respect for a person in charge. So think about that. The, the meaning of the word boss is a title of respect for a person in charge. So, you know, why you know, why tiptoe around it? You know, a boss is in charge to be in charge. You don't have to be perfect, but there's just an opportunity, I, I think, uh, to really become great. And so that's what that book was all about, was a very practical guide to helping leaders and managers become great bosses. Very interesting. So, so as you kind of you know progress through the book, and you said it's a, it sounds like a pretty easy read. I think you said it was uh, under two hundred pages. Um, you know, what's what's a couple of the the nuggets that if someone you know goes and gets the book that that they could uh, you know hope to glean from from the book? Well, I think there've been thousands of books written on leadership and management, and boy, when you read them, some of them are contradictory. They kind of twist you up and knots. And, uh, you know, our approach was just starting with, you know, if you really want to be a great boss, you just got to buy into four simple truths. And one of them is that it really can be simple. You know, we've made it way more complicated over the last 150 years than it really needs to be. So being a boss can be simple. Uh, Your style doesn't matter. You know, you mentioned earlier, Doug, that you're a real outgoing person, right? So whether you're outgoing or you're introverted or you're, you're serious or you're kind of uh, easygoing, doesn't matter. Your style doesn't matter. Uh, you just get to be you. Uh, next is you got to genuinely care about people. You know, if you're going to be a great boss, uh, you got to genuinely care about people. And the old saying is so true that people don't really care what you know until they know that you care. And then the fourth simple truth, and this is probably the most important one, is you got to want it. You really have to want to be great. And just being okay or so-so or average uh, just doesn't cut it. Not in today's environment. you got to be a great boss. And so that's the very first challenge, you know, is for people to just embrace those four simple truths. So the other thing that's interesting is, uh, you know, people often ask us, uh, gee, now how do I hold my people more accountable? That comes up a lot. You know, geez, I, I, I got to hold my people more accountable. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, you really can't hold the people accountable. Uh, all you can do as a great boss is create an environment where accountability is the byproduct of both great leadership and great management. You know, you got to be good at both those things. And so in the book, you know, we just lay out some very, very simple leadership practices and some very simple management practices. And doing those things really, really well uh, will help you become a great boss. And the byproduct of that is you have an environment of accountability, a place where people want to come to work, not need to come to work. And there's a big difference there. You know, I love that uh, that that creating environments. You know, one of the things we uh, we go through at our church, we've got a uh, our our pastor has a PhD in leadership, and, and he's very high level. And you know, we talk a lot about creating environments. And so, you know, in healthy environments, things grow, and in unhealthy environments, things die. And it's really quite that simple. So, if if you're looking to, um, you know, have that accountability, as you say, and you know, you can't force accountability on someone, but it's it's creating an environment where accountability is is appreciated. But it's all about you having that environment in place, not just uh, demanding it or whatever the case is. So that's 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 great. Now, when you talk about creating an environment, can you give us maybe in a, like a little sixty second uh, you know kind of presentation or how how to create an environment of accountability or or create environments in general? Sure. So just think about. 
you know, the, the concept of leadership and management, you know, they're both different, but they're both equally important. And so when you think about it, a simple definition for leadership, it's about working on the business. It's about providing clear direction. It's about creating an opening, you know, an opportunity, and it's about thinking. On the flip side of that coin, the definition of management is working in the business, setting clear expectations, communicating well, and it's more about doing. So you combine those two things, and so what we've done in the book is laid out five leadership practices and five management practices, and they dovetail together very, very nicely. Uh, but a combination of the five leadership practices and the five management practices helps create that environment of accountability. So if we have a, a minute, I can walk you through uh, at a high level, you know, what the five leadership practices are and what the five management practices are. Yeah, let's do that. that. Yeah, let's do that real quick. Okay. So leadership practices, the very first one is giving clear direction. And that's not about telling people what to do. It's about really explaining what we're doing, where we're going, and most importantly, why it's important. And that's about giving clear direction. It's about, secondly, providing the necessary tools. So if we get people all jazzed about where we're going and why it's important, and we don't give them the tools to do it, that can be debilitating. Uh, Third, after you've given clear direction and provided those tools, as a boss, you have to let go. You've got to get out of the way and let you know, let your direct reports run with it. This is a real challenge for a lot of people, a lot of leaders. They tend to want to hold on to everything and be control freaks. The fourth one is acting with the greater good in mind. And you're constantly being observed by the people that you work with. And so they're always evaluating whether your actions, decisions, and your personal examples are really for the greater good. Or is it just for your own best interest, right? And then the fifth one, and this is something that in all the books that I've read on leadership, uh, the one thing that all great leaders have in common is they take time to think. And we call this taking clarity breaks. So a clarity break is where you get out of the weeds and really work on the business. And there's a great quote by Adriana Huffington where she says, if we can't disconnect, we cannot lead. Creating a culture of burnout is opposite to creating a culture of sustainable creativity. And you can best do that by taking time to think every once in a while. So in a nutshell, that's leadership, right? Management, on the other hand, is keeping expectations clear. And that's a two-way street. We have to be clear on our expectations of our people and their expectations of us. So it's keeping those expectations clear. Secondly, it's about communicating well, and this is also a two-way street where we're spending more time listening than we are talking and just making sure that we're always on the same page, that the message is clearly given and received, right? Yes, sir. Third, it's about a great meeting pulse with our direct reports, really keeping the circles connected. Fourth, and we go into this in quite a bit of detail in the book, it's about having quarterly conversations and this is where you're just sitting down with your direct report and having a conversation on a quarterly basis around what's working and what's not working. And it's all it is is a conversation at a higher level than just, you know, what I hear so many people saying, which is, hey, I talk to my people all the time. Yeah, you may be talking to them. But that's different than having a real conversation. And then fifth, it's about rewarding and recognizing, giving both positive and negative feedback. And so that's leadership and management practices in a nutshell. Fantastic. That makes great, great information for all of our listeners. And right after this break, from uh, we'll hear a brief word from our sponsors, then we'll get right into how does Renee recharge his ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Hey. 
Hey, Ambitious listeners, you hear us interviewing entrepreneurs all the time, and there's a common theme. They want to be more productive and improve their communication. As an ambitious entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Ambitious Radio Network recently partnered with Grasshopper to offer our listeners a special discount. Log on to ambitiousradio.com and click on the Grasshopper banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forwards callers to your mobile phone or others in your organization. Get a toll-free number or local number for your business with multiple extensions. Set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world. Get your voicemails emailed to you as an audio attachment or transcribe an email. Keep business calls separate from your personal calls. Plans start at $12 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to click on the Grasshopper banner at ambitiousradio.com for a special discount for our listeners. Join the over 150,000 small business owners that have stayed connected with Grasshopper. See how Grasshopper works? It's the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn the world into your office. And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit, made possible by RepairMyCreditNow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let RepairMyCreditNow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to ambitiousradio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker. All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we're talking to Renee Bohr, and he is a successful entrepreneur. He is an implementer with EOS. He's got tons of great information. He is the co-author of a new book, How to Be a Great Boss, and he went into great details on boss and the title of it and, and really how to, to do that. It really, I highly recommend going to, uh, you know, going to ambitiousradio.com and, and checking out um, the show notes page. We'll put all this information in there and we'll, we'll obviously have a place where you can get his book as well. Um, with that being said, in this segment, we're going to talk about how does he recharge his ambitious body, mind, and spirit. So let's talk about that real quick. Um, how is it? I mean, you're a hard charging guy. You're doing a bunch. You're dealing with a bunch of entrepreneurs and, and business owners. I'm sure it's like herding cats. What do you do to recharge? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not quite about, her, about herding cats, but what I really enjoy doing is just kind of recharge is uh, I do a lot of cycling and I, uh, I started that about probably longer, longer ago than I care to admit, but it's been about 40 years. It's been my passion. I've been fortunate to have uh, biked just about all over the world and uh, really, really in, enjoy doing that. Uh, so I, you know, for those people out there that enjoy cycling, I once went up uh, Alpe d'Huez, which is a you know a historic uh, leg of the Tour de France. Uh, we like going to Hawaii to vacation. So on Maui, there's a dormant crater called Haleakala, and there's a a road that goes to the top of that. I've done that several times. And then my wife and I always take time in the summer to do a road trip. And uh, we go through national parks. And uh, every year I, I just check off a few more. But we found Glacier National Park to be our favorite park. And there's a great road uh, that cuts through the park called the Going to the Sun Road. Uh, it was engineered in the 20s. And I've ridden that road uh at least four or five times now and i never get tired of doing it it's just a fabulous climb from lake mcdonald up through uh you know through logan pass uh so i enjoy cycling uh i took up scuba diving a long time ago so i enjoy doing that and i'm a tinkerer so i love carpentry my uh son-in-law and i are uh, are working on a canoe together so we've been building this canoe and that's just been a just a, a terrific uh you know a terrific experience you know we didn't really know what the heck we were doing when we started <laughs> we were figuring it out together and uh you know that's fun to do Absolutely. and like i mentioned i, I enjoy reading Gotcha, gotcha. No, I, and, and you rattled off some great, great books, and and like I said, we'll put all that in the show notes so that uh, so others can can enjoy those books as well. Now, um, let's talk about kind of the average day. I mean, how much sleep do you get? Do you have a kind of a standard time you try to go to bed? Do you get up at the same time? What does what does an average day look like for you? Yeah, so my my day, and it's like I have an internal clock. I'm always up at six. 
so I have time to kind of get myself organized. Uh, I always get somewhere between seven and eight hours of sleep. And, uh, you know, I hear people say, oh, yeah, I get by on five hours of sleep. And uh, I find that really, really hard <laughs> to believe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think if you get plenty of sleep, that really helps you keep the batteries charged. Uh, you know, there's been a lot written now on sleep deprivation where people are, are just, they're just manic. You know, you got to take time to you know, to just kind of shut down a little bit. So getting plenty of sleep, I think, is uh, is really, really important to your health. Yep, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I hear about some of these people that are, you know, four or five hours or whatever, and it's like, phew, I, I wish I could get away with that, but I don't know how they do it. And, and frankly, um, it's, it's probably only for a season because if, you know, at some point you just run out of juice. But, uh, well, that's, that's really, really great information. Now, as we kind of wrap up the show, um, if someone wanted to interact with you, if they wanted to get more information on having you maybe help them implement some things with the entrepreneurial uh, operating system, how would they go about doing that? Are you social? Are you on Twitter? Those kind of things? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I have to warn the listeners, I haven't updated my LinkedIn profile in probably four or five years, so I've been a little lazy there. I just uh, haven't gotten to that. But, uh, uh, you know, you can reach me at Renee at tractionprocess.com. Uh, uh, you know, there's a website that you can get to. You can also find me on the EOS World website. Uh, we created a website for uh, How to Be a Great Boss. Uh, but I'd also say that there's 152 uh, EOS implementers now around the world, uh, and there's a number of them in uh, Dallas and the area, you know, down in Texas, and, and it's a great, great group of people that, you know, all share uh, common core values and are all just as passionate as I am about uh, helping business uh, owners and leadership teams succeed. So we're easy to find. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, I am so thrilled that you came on you came on the show today, and you know, look forward to uh, reading the book and 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 becoming a better boss myself. It's always good to have that great information, and and like I said, the the book traction and and what you are implementing, it has such great. Uh, information in that as well. So, uh, listeners, I highly encourage you to get both of those books. I, I know that Traction's great, and I, I'm quite sure that anything that Gino and and Renee have stamped their name on, it's great as well. So, uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. You're welcome. It was uh, my pleasure. All right, very good. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We couldn't do it without you and without our sponsors. Thanks uh, to everyone that is helping make this show possible. Remember, you can go out there and you can make money or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. So if you're making money, that means you're probably not making a bunch of excuses. And if you're making excuses, you're probably not making a bunch of money. Tune in on Wednesdays where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.